My name is Brother Scott Sullivan. I am currently a member at the Series Missionary Baptist Church. I have been there for a very long time. Um, I uh, am the grandson of someone who's been in this valley for a long time. His name was C.C. Middleton. I don't know if some of you know him, but he was my grandfather. He passed away when I was 16 years old. Um, so a lot of the, the ministry that he had, I, I, I caught just a small portion of. Uh, I, I was uh, really, I'll say, mentored or, or taught by Bill R. Drybread Sr., who's been in, in working in the valley in some places or down south. Um, and so he passed away, in case you don't know, just, just last year. Um, may have been just somewhere about a year ago uh, or about six months ago or so. It's, it seems like so long, but I uh, really have a lot of love for the man. He, he was the guy that when I was in my 20s trying to figure everything out, that he was like, hey, buddy, come over here. I got a job for you. And then the next thing, why that job turned into another job, turned into another job, turned into another job. Then I was teaching, and then I was doing discipleship, and had all kinds of things going on. And so to this day, I've continued to, uh, to do that. Uh, I also surrendered to the ministry at the age of 40. I'm 51 now. People kept on asking me, when are you going to surrender to the ministry? I said, when I get the call. <laughs> I mean, you don't, I haven't felt that yet. So um, uh, it, it it came when I was around 40 years old, and I've been preaching uh, since. Uh, I do have a, a kind of a ministry, if you will. Um, we're doing stuff online right now. Uh, I, I take it pretty seriously. I think it's a great opportunity. But also, I've been trying to disciple. We're, we're doing a lessons in apologetics in our class at church and um, trying to disciple people, help them grow in the doctrinal teachings of God's word. And so that's really what I've been doing. Uh, the Lord is blessed. He's given me a lot of opportunities. I've done everything from, like I said, discipleship to teen discovery uh, in our church. And, and so had a, a lot of different things going on. And we are um, always seeking the prayers of God's people. So remember us and our work at Ceres as we endeavor to do the will of God there. Uh, we're trying to do more out of the building, um, meaning that we're trying to do more uh, like potlucks in the park, things where we can re reach out. We did one in the park one time, and people in the park came over and started eating with us. So that's, that's really what we're trying to do more of and just try to find ways to be creative at, uh, at going out into the community. And so pray for us, if you would, and we'll pray for you guys as well. We're going to be, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. I really love the book of Hebrews. Uh, you know, it's funny because I'm one of those people that every time I'm in a book, I say, I really love this book. It's, my, it's one, one of my favorite books. And then I'll be in Romans and I'll say, I love this book. It's one of my favorite books. But that's just how I feel about the Word of God. I, I've done a series of lessons on um, Old Testament. And, and I, the more I got into those books and was describing what they were about, I was really amazed at, at some of the things I was able to learn about God's Word and what He has in His Word. The, this morning, we're going to be talking about um, to do thy will, and it, it, what I, I'm just going to kind of, I don't want to throw it out there and get it all to the end of, this, of the thing, but this, this message has a couple parts to it, but really I'm going, I'm, I'm building something. So I, it, it sounds a lot like a salvation message, and, and it is a salvation message, but I'm actually building towards something that I think that is very important for today's times. And so before we get started, I'd like to take a moment of time and go to the Lord in word of prayer and ask his blessing upon the reading of his word, uh, ask him to guide us by his spirit, and that uh, he may have full course over this uh, message this morning. Gracious Holy Father, we come before you, Lord, with thankful hearts for this day that you've made. 
and for the life and health that you've granted each one of us this day. We thank you for your mercies and your grace and for your long-suffering spirit towards us, Lord. We thank you for all that you do in the world and uh, trying and striving to lead men to salvation. We thank you for this church here and all your churches, Lord, that are actively involved, engaged, and and delivering your message and spreading the gospel message to the world. We pray that you'll bless each of them. Lord, that you might just pour out your spirit and give them increase and give them understanding, give them uh, fortitude and strength to stand in these trying times. Lord, we know that they're, uh, they're probably going to get worse according to your word, and we just pray that, that we will stand in, in the midst of it. And Lord, we ask that you'll uh, bless the message this morning. I pray for preaching grace. I ask, Father, that your spirit will guide and direct me in every word, and that your spirit will have full course over everything that is said and done here this morning. I pray that you'll convict. I pray that you will uh, help us to mature and grow in your word, to have it be something that uh, moves us and causes us to put away the cares of this life and focus more on the spiritual things, Lord. I ask, Father, that you'll forgive us all of our trespasses. I pray that you remember the request, all the requests that were lifted up. We know that you can do these things are so easy for you, and we, li we lift them up with confidence, knowing that you already know about every situation. We pray that you'll bless each need according to your will and what seems right in your eyes. I ask, Father, that everything that we do here today might be done for your honor and glory, and I ask these favors and blessings in Jesus' holy name and for his sake. Amen. Okay, we're going to be focusing our attention. Uh, well, actually, really, it's going to be we're going to because we're going to come back to it. it'll be Romans chapter 10 verses 1 through 10 but we're going to really be looking to start at verses 4 through 10 and then we'll introduce the other verses as we get a little bit into the message uh, the thing I love about the book of Hebrews and I don't know how many people know this about the book of Hebrews I, 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 I most people will say that they believe it was written by the Apostle Paul I'm one of those that share that thought and the reason I think that is because the person who who wrote this in the spirit wrote it like if you could imagine like being in a courtroom and they're um they're they're making a legal argument so there's a there's a preposition being made in the book of hebrews and the preposition is simply the uh, new testament in jesus blood is better than and takes the place of the old testament in animal blood and and the thing about it is the people that he was writing to the, those people they they weren't ready at the at the beginning of his writing to hear that the person that was going to be elevated or glorified throughout the book was Jesus Christ. They, the writer was literally going to bring them to that place over the course of his arguments that he makes here and, and justification for Christ. And he begins to, to say, the son is better than, the son is better than. And around the second chapter, he'll say, and we see Jesus. And he begins to introduce Jesus. And, and he goes, and, and then there's instructions and things like that up here. And of course, we know also in the book of Hebrews about the faith chapter and the things that's being taught there. But when we, when we want to put a concrete, uh, uh, how can I say this? If we want to put a, a lid on, on the whole debate, you can really look at the book of Hebrews with regards to Jesus Christ being the Messiah and the Savior of the world. He is beyond any shadow of a doubt uh, that. And, and, and really, uh, I find that if you read like chapters 8, 9, and 10, you get this overwhelmingly powerful statement that, that's being made throughout those verses about the deity and the glory of Jesus Christ. That plays into what I want to touch on today. Because I want to, I'm trying to build a message for today that, that we can see, that we can use, and that we can hold on to. So I'm going to read starting in verse 4 on down to verse 10. 
It says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hadst no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now that's a very, that in itself is a very powerful thing. And, and what I want us to start to think about this morning and, and pull our minds into is the sacrifice. I want us to think about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, and, and I think when people, um, they get into the subject, it's difficult sometimes to really consider how and fully understand the magnitude of this sacrifice. What, what all played into it? We, we've seen th some movies that, that, that's been produced and, and they're pretty powerful statements in themselves. There's a lot that's revealed in the Word of God, but it's hard sometimes to really fully understand everything that Christ gave up. I mean, you go to Philippians chapter 2 where it talks about, you know, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, took on the form of a man. You know, the, I, the picture there is that even though he was in glory and, 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 and rightfully expressing himself uh, that way, he didn't clutch at that so much so that he wouldn't take on the form of a man, humbling himself even unto the death of the cross. It, 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 when you get into it and you really look at it, what you, what you see is you see um, that your heart becomes humble. <laughs> because, and that's really where we, that's where we need to get to. It's easy to go out into the world and get caught up in business and trying to succeed out there and forget about what Jesus did for us. And I want to try and bring that back. Um, it, it not only humbles us, the further we look and the more it sinks in, it's sobering. I mean, when you think about that gift, how can we ever give anything back to Christ that measures up to that? Well, the, the answer is simple. Our life is what we have to give. Okay, so I'm going to talk first about the results of sin. And, and this is really needs to be understood because of, of the platform, the foundation that I'm building for this message. So understand, and I think we all know this, sin absolutely wrecked our world. All God's children or all God's creation fills the effects, including you and me. And, you know, we turn on the news and we can see the evidence of that now. And I think the thing is so disheartening. I have followed the news. I, I, I want to see what's going on in the world. I think the thing that really troubles me the most about it is, it, I think with social media and, and TV and, and, and having the ability to have it, people film things and actually post them, we're really seeing the worst, <laughs> the very worst of humanity. You're seeing it. And, and, and some of the things I've seen is just so confusing and disheartening to me, and they're things that that I couldn't even conceive in, in my heart. They're not things that when I get out of bed and go about my day, that even are imagination of mine. But these things are coming out and we're seeing them. And, and believe me when I say I try to avoid those images myself, um, I, I got enough to worry about, you know, to, than to have myself be depressed all day, you know. But it, it, it's really a disturbing state, thing. So we see the effects of sin in the world. We see it in our relationships, how sin affects our relationships. Um, 
I mean, we talk about a lot of sins, and people have a tendency to go to these one group of sins, but what about like excessive anger or jealousy or, um, or, or um, aggressive behavior that exceeds that which is godly? Um, so we, see, we can see it in our relationships. We see it in ourselves. There's a, there's a, a thing within me none of you see, and that's me. <laughs> that's what's going on in here. That, the battles that I have with sin, we see it in our churches. We've seen, if you've, been, if you've been a member of a church for any period of time, you've seen sin and, and you've seen the adversary uh, strive to, to take an advantage of those opportunities to create problems. And so it's something that has really been uh, something we've had to live with. In Genesis chapter 3, and we're not going there, I'm just making a reference to it so you, can, you know that what I'm saying is from there. Um, we see where Adam disobeyed God's command. He trespassed God's one law, and as a result, he offended God. And God declared this was worthy of death. So, you know, a lot of people don't, the word offense, <laughs> I, I don't hear that too often, but the reality of, of it is he offended God. If you do a word search in the Old and the New Testaments, and you look at the word sin, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, you're going to find a word predominantly uh, used that is translated in the English sin. If you go into the Kone Greek in the New Testament, you're going to see a word predominantly used and variations of the same word to describe the word sin, that the word sin is translated for. In both instances, those words, whether it's in the Hebrew or the Kone Greek, is an offense or an offender. So God's word is declaring that that is the outcome. They, they were, that, that man is really in a state of offense or has offended. Um, in, the, in the text we have this morning, the word is used uh, in the plural once, in the singular. I guess it probably could be the plural, the singular in all three cases. But um, in our text, it's used three times. The word there is hamartia, and it's from the root word hamartano. And hamartano means to miss the mark. And really, it's the same thing. God, God's perfection, to even miss it a little bit is an offense. See, and, and the thing of it is, I, I, this is the thing I want to bring out because I'm really good. <laughs> I may be the best at giving myself a pass. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I can, oh, I did, not me? Uh-uh. No, I'm good, no, I'm good. So it's funny how we can do that, you know, but really when we're, when we're, when we're putting into a right perspective, there is, there's a mark and we don't hit it. <laughs> Matter of fact, some people think missing the marks kind of like shooting a bow and arrow at a target and you just miss the target. We're more like, like my golf swing. It's, okay, I, I'm working on that. But anyways, if I had more time. <laughs> when Adam obeyed God, or disobeyed God, something else happened as a result. His nature changed. And he knew right and wrong. He, and I'm not saying he knew it like he had a complete understanding of it. But he understood that he had done something wrong, that there had been a trespass. He had not understood wrong before, because prior to this, it wasn't a part of his nature. So this flaw in nature would impact the choices he'd make. It would impact his desire to make them. So there's a natural desire, a natural desire to trespass. The natural, and, and you know, it's like I used to, I had a car I was building one time. And it was amazing to me at that time. This is years ago. I grew up. Anyway, <laughs> I think. I could take and I could spend five, six hours in Hot Rod Magazine looking at car parts. 
that I wanted to, and dreamed about buying. But when it came time to study for my lesson, it was like, we've been going at this a while. How long? Oh, 30 minutes. Oh, okay, we, we'll just keep on going. We've been at this along with 42 minutes? Is that right? Did the clock stop? You see, that's that, that's, that sin nature. The desire is towards sinful things or worldly things. And this, this affected all the descendants. So here we are today, still affected by it. And, 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 and to bring the point a little further home, you know, when a baby's born, that baby is just so sweet. And, but that baby's still a sinner. But if you let that baby grow, that's, that, that child's going to become a sinner not only by birth, but by practice. Therefore, all mankind stands by natural birth and practice as an offense to God and his divine will. We do by nature and practice the very thing God is against. And Isaiah uh, kind of pointed that out, I think, clearly. We said, he said, we're an unclean thing. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We fade as a leaf. And I think about how frail life is and how, you know, um, even some young kids. I, I, you see the commercials, these young kids. There's these little bitty guys, I mean, the sweetest kids. And they're already battling cancers. And they're already battling some of these really serious illnesses. We are a broken people. Sin has devastated our lives and separated us from God. Not just anything, though, would be worthy as a sacrifice for sin to reconcile us back to God. In fact, I, I want to bring this point as, as firm as I possibly can. Even my death as a sinner wasn't satisfy. It wasn't good enough. I'm that bad. And, 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 and nothing that I can do is going to make it good enough for God. Because see, I, can, I know a lot of people that I think are pretty, pretty good people. That I think they're people I think, you know, she's, she's a really outstanding. I used to, I witnessed with this one woman door to door for a couple years. Her name was April Campbell. And she's just the sweetest lady ever. And I watched her witness and just, the, the, she never stopped smiling. She never stops being warm. She never stops loving. That person is better than me in my estimation. Yet not good enough. Not good enough. I, 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 I've seen some of, the, some of the patriarchs of the faith and still not good enough. Not even the old covenant sacrifices were capable of reconciling us back to God. Which brings me to this next point, this next layer on my foundation here. The seriousness of our transgressions. So now we are talking about the effects of sin. I want to talk about the seriousness of our transgressions. <laughs> I was like, oh, easy, brother. Wear me down. <laughs> but in verses 6 through 9 of our text, the writer of the book of Hebrews is actually quoting from Psalms 40, verses 6 through 8. And, and this is what it says in Psalms 46 through 8. It says, it's going to sound very similar. It says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hath thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings hath thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O oh my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. So that's, that's, that's what the writer of Hebrews, and, and another, another thing about the book of Hebrews, since we're here and I'm in a teaching mood, I, 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 I get caught up on teaching, preaching, what, you know. Anyways, 
the thing that's so spectacular about this book is this writer quotes a lot of Old Testament scriptures. He uses the scriptures in the Old Testament to make the argument for these Hebrews. And as he addresses each of those arguments, he quotes scripture a lot from the Old Testament. So this man was a very knowledgeable person about the Old Testament. Anyways, this writer not only validates Psalms by this usage here, he shows the foresight the psalmist David had concerning the Redeemer. Man was sinful and needed something. Man needed a, a Redeemer. Animal sacrifices and futile efforts to observe moral law of, of, of God, they weren't enough. And now I'm going to go back to verse uh, 1 through 4 of chapter 10 because I want you to see our text identified the impossibility of the blood of bulls and goats to remove sin. It says in verse 1, and, and when I, when, okay, something else I like to, to try to draw people into is when, when you read God's word, if you read it, it's just going to speak to you. It's going to give you something that you, it, it will begin to make sense. Sometimes just read over and over it again, and it'll begin to, 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 to express what the point is. And I think this does it. So starting in verse 1, it says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? And that's a question mark there. Because that the worshipers once purged should have, should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For is, for is it not for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Very, very good, strong point there that, uh, that these things, and he's really addressing the law versus the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Remember, the uh, New Testament and Jesus' blood is better than and takes the place of the Old Testament animal blood. And that's the point that he's making right there. And even though they could not remove uh, sin through those observances and those, those rites that they practiced, the sacrifices of the Old Covenant were a great picture that showed us the seriousness of our transgressions before God. And that's the point I want to get to. See, I, I know that a lot of you already know about this, but what I want to, I want to build on my foundation is not only the effects of sin, because I want us all to be able to see, look, when we think we're good, we're not good, because we're just not good before God in His eyes. That's why we needed a Savior. And not only, was, uh, our, our, not only was our transgression bad, that even all these things that they had to do wasn't good enough. That if you go back and you look at the Old Testament, all the tabernacle and all the things they did in the temples and the things that they had to do and, and how they had to do them, not even those things would save. So, but what it does show you is just how bad it, sin is and how bad it has affected us. And, and that's, that's really what we're trying to establish here this morning, how bad the, the transgression was. When we study and investigate those Old Testament law practices, they teach us of the gravity and of the death of our depravity. All our ordinances, all the ordinances, sacrifices, legal commands, and requirements were not enough to cover sin. If they could, they would have ceased to be offered. They would have accomplished their purpose as we just read right there. So that brings us to this next 
foundation, this next layer, and a very important one, the most important one. And this part's called the lasting sacrifice. We know, and that's why we're here this morning, is that Jesus came. That he came to be a sacrifice for sin. Jesus came into the world and became the answer to our sin problem. He offered himself as the ultimate sacrifice. Going back to our text, it said in verses 5 through 7, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. So we can see that now Jesus has come onto the scene to be that sacrifice that God required for sin. And so when we think about how bad we were, and we think about how all the things that God established, we, we have a tendency to look at it to say, this is the, a school teacher, because the word says to do that. It's a school teacher to show us what sin is. Look at all of it. It shows us how, that, that law also showed us how righteous God was. Because see, all those things that they couldn't do, Jesus did. So he was saying, look, this is your benchmark. You guys are not only sinners, but he's saying all of this, I, I, this is what I require in this form of a law. All of this is what the, the government of God would be satisfied with. Is there one that can do it? Is there one? And here comes Jesus. And he does it. So what, what that does is now it, it puts this big picture of perspective out before us concerning what, who we are and, and what the, the gap was between us and God and what was required of God and who Jesus actually is in fulfilling it. There's something else that's, that's also neat that I thought I'd just bring out. Back in, uh, I'm going to read one verse from Psalms chapter 40 that we just read a minute ago. But in that verse, there was a reference made. And I believe it has a special meaning. The verse said this. It said, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offering hast thou not required. He said, My ears hast thou opened. Um, and, and looking into that, because I was curious what that was about. Most believe it's a reference to Exodus 21, verses 2 through 6. And, and what that passage of scripture in Exodus talks about, it, it talks about basically if a Hebrew bought a, a servant, that that servant would serve them for six years. And in the seventh year, they would release the servant. But if the servant said, well, I love my master, and I don't want to go out. In other words, if he, if, if he had this great love for his master and didn't want to go out, well, it said in verse 6, and I'll quote that from Exodus 21. It says, Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door and unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an owl, and he shall serve him forever. And the, the picture, now that, first of all, that, that's, 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 a, that's, that's kind of a hard thing. Put that ear up against the doorpost, and, and, and I don't know what part they're born through, but if you've ever seen one of those little hole punches where you got that little ball on it, it's got a sharp point on it, and well, that's what they were doing to the ear there, and it's essentially saying, okay, I've made the choice, I've made the choice as a free man to stay within the, uh, the, the, the guidance or direction of my master. 
And so there's a very powerful statement there. Many uh, propose this reference, and I'm one of them, uh, that it shows the servitude and the utter commitment Jesus had with regards to the will of the Father concerning his sacrifice for the salvation of humanity. He was eternally committed to the service and the will of the Father because their love was unwavering. See, th th that's the whole point about it. The love, the love was so strong, not only you know, of, of, of the, the Father towards the Son and the Son towards the Father, but the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit's love for humanity was so strong that it was unwavering. So there was, the option was um, emphatically, I'm going to do this. They say, uh, the scriptures say that it, it, was, it was determined before the foundations of the world. That, you know, it's saying so sure was salvation that, that it was sure even before the foundations of the world were laid. Um, his unwavering commitment and service also made it so that the boring out of the ear expressed that he was trusted in tandem with and as a result received all instruction from the Father. Fully and completely informed. It, it, was, it was essentially a mark to show that he was completely trusted. He was completely, in, and, and, and as a result, could be completely informed, know all things, all matters, and they were disclosed to him because of his loyalty, his love, and his faithfulness. And I believe it also makes a passing reference to the fact that a body was necessary for acceptable service. Loyalty um, in service required it in this case. So in our case, a body was required. He, there, look, the thing about Jesus, the thing we rejoice in today is he is all God and he is all flesh. When we say the son of man, that's a true statement. When we say the son of God, that's a true statement. And so he is all God and he is all flesh. Very powerful statement. Um, I'm going to read another passage of scripture, and I actually have it printed out here because my writing's so small and I'm, my eyes are getting to where I can't barely read it. But I, I debate on whether time would permit me to do this, but we're getting, we're getting to the close of this uh, message this morning, so I'm going to go ahead and do it because I think it, it, it needs to be a part of this message. Hebrews chapter 9. This, I want us to just think about what this is saying and how powerful the words of this passage of scripture is because um, it tells us why Jesus had to die he had to die and this is why starting in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 9 and I will do my best to read this right so that it is in proper context it says this it says but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal, re eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, that they which are called might receive the promise of internal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death, death of the testor. For a testament is of force after, 
For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the tester liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For, then Mo, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto to you. Moreover, he sprinkled the blood of both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as a high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Whew. That puts a stamp on it. It's crystal clear it's clean it's precise Jesus had to die because he was the tester he was the one that was providing the inheritance he was the one that was providing the gift he was the one that was making the way so all these things all the things that we have put and assembled today have a purpose the knowledge of what Jesus has done should have a lasting impact it should serve to motivate, that might be a word, I don't know. I've never used it before. <laughs> it should serve to motivate a great purpose for our life. And that, this is the focus of the message. This is all that foundation because I want to get to this purpose. The purpose of the message is this. And it, like I said in the beginning, it might appear to be a salvation message, and that is true. And I'll start with that. People need to understand a few things this message is identifying on the subject of salvation. I don't, I don't know if someone's here this morning, they've never, they've never taken that step to accept the Lord as their personal savior, but if not, here's what this message identifies. Our sin condition is a problem. If our sin condition has not been taken care of, then we stand in offense to God as an offender, a trespasser of his law. Christ is the answer to our sin condition. There is no other acceptable answer for our sin condition that God will recognize. And if we do not receive God's forgiveness, now I'm going to go back to that last one. I went over that way too fast. I'm going back. There is no other acceptable answer for our sin condition that God will recognize. People try this and waste their life trying it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He also said in John 5, 24, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath, ever, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. These are declarations of fact. People, there's no other way to get to heaven except through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
If we do not receive God's forgiveness for our sin through Christ's sacrifice for our sin, then we ourselves will pay the penalty for our sin condition eternally. You know, there's a lot of people in hell today. And it's not God's design. It's not his plan that anyone should be there. Because he sent his son. And he didn't just send a, a gift. He sent the greatest gift. He sent the best. All he had. The very best. And, and, and that's what I want to magnify. Now this is the other aspect I want to bring out this morning in close of this message. There's an additional focus and emphasis. As believers who have had their sins washed away in the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ, having repented of our sin through faith and having asked Jesus to come into our heart and life and save us, we now have a reason to serve him. We do not have anything that measures up to such great a sacrifice as Jesus gave, but what we have is our life. See, we're living in a time right now that's really challenging that. It's challenging us. There's a lot of people that are withering under the pressure of the world, the attacks on Christianity. I, I wouldn't have thought I would have saw that in my lifetime. I, I thought it wouldn't come in my lifetime. And that was just probably 10 years ago. And we've seen it. And, 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 and I'm not saying uh, anything about that other than it's expected. But, but what I am saying is we're still God's people, and there's still people in the world that need to be saved. So there's still work to do until Jesus comes. And so sometimes we can get caught up in these things and they can weary us down. The adversary would love nothing more than to weary us down. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Ephesians is another one of my favorite books. <laughs> I love Ephesians. I love Ephesians. You know the thing about Ephesians I love? If you want to know how to walk a life that glorifies God, I mean, you can read the whole book, but really start right there in chapter 4 and go through chapter 6. That's, that'll teach teach you everything you know to walk a life that brings God honor and glory. There's other books that will do it too. But in Ephesians chapter 2 verse is, and I'm not even reading from those chapters, but in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10, very common passage of scripture, but I want to focus on one part of it. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not as yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. See, so there's a lot of there's not a lot of ordaining going on here in the, in the in the nation and in some states. A lot of ordinances being passed and and things like that, and saying hey, it's not good for this, not good for that. And you know we do what we can out of respect because that's that's I think a rightly godly thing. We we uh, we did uh, much like you guys are doing. We 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 closed for a little while and and. And as we started to come back and assemble again, we did it out of respect for, for uh, our neighbors, uh, out of respect for, for uh, those people that, had, uh, that were in, at high risk and things like that. But at some point we said, it's time to get back to God's house and, and try to serve him. And so I think we've been back in services for probably about four, four, four to six weeks on, on a limited, much like you all have here this morning as well. But I think it's important that you know, we try to honor God and we try to be right, but on the same grounds, when God calls us to service, you know, we go. And, and so we have a, a work to do. And, 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 and it's not just necessarily limited to this building. In fact, like I said, we're trying to get, uh, be more out um, in the wall, outside the walls. It's not to say our services aren't happening on normal, they are. But we're trying to do more activities out in the community so that we might be seen and see and, and might be 
creating opportunities to reach people for Christ. Some people we can come come talk, contact with, even if it's going to the bowling alley together. If it's going, we have been going to a lot of um, gospel concerts and things like that. Um, I think we've seen every Cast and Crown show that's come come near us. Uh, but um, we've been doing things where we can reach out and find people uh, that we can share God's message with. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, very, another passage of scripture, very common, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that's, the, that's Romans 12 that we know. Here's another challenge, a little bit of homework. If you can do all of chapter 12, you're, you're making progress right there. See, we like, this, is, this is tough right here, but read the rest of the chapter. If we can do all of Romans chapter 12, we're, 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 we're starting to give our lives over to God and, and be that type of people that brings God honor and glory. The walk of the believer is not always easy, but Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden's light. And, and you know, uh, some people say, well, I don't know, it feels pretty tough sometimes. I'll tell you what, I've been in the world. My wife was not born um, in a family that was a church-going family. She didn't find the Lord until she was in her mid-20s. And, and during that time, she spent a lot of time in Hollywood. And in fact, <laughs> I can tell you this because she's not here. She was actually dating a rocker in Hollywood <laughs> in a band. So that's her, that, was what, that was what her life was. And then she got saved. And life for her changed. And what she learned was, and she could tell me this better than I could probably fully understand it because she's lived a little further than I did. But um, she says, you know, even in that, it was a weight. It was, it was heavy. It was always, it was always a, a heavy life. Whereas in Christ, we may face heavy things, but the life is a, is, is a light life. I mean, some of the difficulties of life, I don't, know, I don't know how people do it without the Lord. So yes, the burden is light. The yoke, yeah, studying and making sacrifices when everyone's out playing golf and and doing things on the weekends, it, it, it can feel that way. But there's no better reward than completing the work and having the, the Holy Spirit warm your soul. And so, you know, we're dealing with a lot of challenging things. The knowledge of what Jesus did on our behalf should serve as a motivation and, and, and really the best motivation we'll ever need. The more we can put the perspective of what Jesus did, who we were, what Jesus did, and, and how bad, you know, uh, how big the gap was, then that, should, that can really begin to motivate our minds and our hearts to, to hold, to hold in these trying times. When we consider the enormous gift God gave us, we should react by striving in the world to give him our lives. It is a sacrificial life to live, but Jesus sacrificed. And I, I, you know, when they talk about, he says, no man takes my life, I lay it down. That beating he, he endured, I would have bled out. Either one of us would have, would have bled out 
long before they probably got through the second, second whip, maybe the third. That's not the case with Christ. They say those men wore themselves out on him. They couldn't take his life. In love, he gave it. And so what is, what is a, a sacrifice? What do we call a sacrifice in comparison? He held nothing back for himself in his service to the Father. He gave everything. And as a result, he's our great example. So that's why when we, we look at some of the things that's going on in the world and we're trying to find um, our place in it, well, our place has never changed. We keep on pressing on until Jesus comes. I'm going to leave you with three questions this morning. Very important questions. Where are you at with your sin condition in relationship to Jesus? Are you saved today? Now that's two, but they're basically the same question. If you're not, today is the day. There's no reason to wait any longer. It's free. Jesus paid the price already. Salvation is free. It requires simple faith in him and trust and repentance. Ask God to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart and life, and save you. And the second question is this. Is the truth of Jesus' sacrifice serving as our motivator for doing his will? And I include myself in that because this, this message is, is something that I'm going to benefit from, and it's, it's partly why I, I, I think I got onto the subject. Oftentimes it's things that I need, you know, equally as well. And, and there's, we'll go through stages in life. When I was in my 20s, 30s, 40s, different things affected me differently. I'm in my 50s now. And, and I know that there's always something that I need that God has to provide to keep me where he wants me to be. And so that's why I asked the question, is the truth of Jesus' sacrifice serving as our motivator for doing his will, for staying in there and, and serving him? And so I'll leave you with those thoughts as we go to the Lord in a word of prayer at this time. Loving Holy Father, we come before you with thankful hearts for this day that you've given us, this time to be in your house, to be among your people. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to have a place to serve and worship. And in light of what's going on in the world, we just pray for strength. We pray that you'll show us what you want us to do, that you'll show us where, our, where the work is, and that you will not, not uh, um, uh, let us get to the point where our minds become clouded by the things that we see outside. Um, and on the news, but Lord, just let us see you. Let us see what you're directing. Let us see the opportunities you're presenting because we know that the harvest is, is, is ripe and ready for harvest. Let us be a people that stands firm. Let us be a people that, that always yields ourselves to you. Lord, always striving, yes, to obey the laws of the land and to be a people that's a right citizen in our communities and in our state in our counties, Lord, but also to, to not uh, forsake ourselves in regard to your call and your service. And so we pray, Father, that you will, you will guide us in that, that you'll touch our hearts, that you'll show us, and that, Lord, that you'll just uh, keep us by your might and by your power. Help your word uh, to uh, resonate with us. Um, this message this morning as well with each one of us, Lord, it might be something to go back to and, and find strength in that we, uh, we utilize your passages of scripture, keeping our minds in your word to strengthen our, our, our souls, Lord, and our spirits and just helping us to stay focused. We pray, Father, that you'll bless uh, each one that's come out this morning in a special way. Pray that you'll keep us all uh, healthy and safe and watch over us and our families. And Father, we ask these favors and blessings in Jesus' holy name. Amen.